0: Please be seated. Our Gospel reading this morning starts in a familiar way. After all of the pain and shock and grief of the previous week's events, after the betrayal and the torture and the death and the surprise, the disciples went back to doing the only other thing. They knew how to do. They took comfort in an old familiar way of being. The disciples are starting again where they began. The fishermen went fishing. But the fish weren't biting, they hadn't caught anything, and they have decided to pack it in for the night. And then, Just like on that day years earlier, when they were called to be fishers of people, Jesus again appears on the shore. And just like that day years earlier, the fishermen did not know what they were dealing with or what they were getting into. And just like that day years earlier, even though they hadn't caught anything all night long, they try One more time. But this time it's different. This time, when they hauled in a catch so big it strains their nets, they know exactly what has happened. And they know who is here. Well, at least one of them knows who's here. The beloved disciple, we usually think that he's John, turns to Peter and names him. It's the Lord. Peter's reaction to John's statement is totally overboard. Literally overboard. As if he can't figure out up from down or left from right, he puts on his clothes and jumps in, swimming to shore to see if it's really true. He impulsively leaps into the water. He must get to Jesus to touch and to feel and to believe. John waits in the boat. He, after all, is the one who had paid close enough attention to recognize the risen Lord before him. John, the beloved disciple, John is the one, if you remember, that reclined with Jesus at the Last Supper. John was the one who rested in Christ. John was the one who recognized Jesus through his words and his gestures. Our early church theologians read this story as two complementary aspects of Christian faith in the light of the resurrection. Fourth-century theologian St. John Chrysostom once said of this passage, When they recognized him, the disciples Peter and John again exhibited their different temperaments. One was fervent, the other more contemplative. One was ready to go, the other more penetrating. John is the one who first recognized Jesus But Peter is the first to come to him. The good news for the church is that every one of us has the inclination to be one or the other. Each of us is gifted as either an observer, a contemplative, a quiet soul like John, or a doer of things, an impulsive actor like Peter, There was a reason John Chrysostom identified those two types in those two disciples. They are still present in us. And with them, because of them, the church keeps moving. Without those of us who observe our traditions, who listen to the tides as they change, Without those of us who wait quietly to see where and what needs must be met, we are banging around like pinballs in an arcade of our own whims. We need our contemplatives, those who pray. We need those who think about action and reaction, who map and plan and watch for opportunity to see Christ in the world. We also need those of us who are willing to leap out of the boat, the ones with exuberance and passion to tackle any problems they see in front of us. Without them, we are trapped inside our own thoughts and plans and fears. Without them, we are slow to act and slow to accomplish. In our community... Every successful committee and guild that does ministry in our church and in our city is made up of both of these people. Those like John who observe and reflect. Those like Peter who move and act. And in this way, with our contemplative gifts and our fervent gifts, we surely and carefully answer the call of discipleship. We answer the call to be the church God has asked us to be faithful, and bold. In this way, we accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We need each other, as Peter needed John to speak the Lord's name, and as John needed Peter to touch and see. It's easy for us to see this work at our own, in our own community, how each committee needs doers and thinkers, how each enterprise needs cool thoughtfulness and passionate eagerness. It is harder to see, or maybe it's harder to admit, that thing which St. John Chrysostom and his comrades in theology meant when they picked these two archetypes out of this morning's story. Because you see, our forefathers in faith believed that Both of these should reside in every Christian person. According to these early theologians, every person should respond to the presence of Christ among us like John and like Peter, with contemplation and with fervency. So this last week, as I know it was for many of you, was spring break in my house. We, my children and I, went to an island in South Georgia accessible only by ferry. We slept in tents, we built campfires, we spent hours on the beach playing with sticks and sand and watching the crabs skitter to and fro. And there was no cell phone network. At all. None. I had no news of the outside world. I had no people to catch up with. I had no problems to solve. Which meant that for four days, all I could do was play with sticks and sand, watch the crabs, build campfires, and be present to the Christ that was right there in front of me. It was really hard. And it was so necessary for my relationship with God and my relationship with those I love. And I feel certain that many of you know what I'm talking about from one side or from the other. I am so full of that Peter like spirit that the idea of tapping into my inner, quiet, beloved disciple is nearly terrifying. I am excited and I'm impatient and so deeply in love with the ministry and the community and the opportunities before me that I want to leap in and get going. It's hard for me to wait and to contemplate and to meditate. I need to be reminded that doing two or three or six things all at one time is good sometimes. And diving quickly into important projects is good, sometimes, but stopping and listening and observing is good, too. Every one of us should practice being quiet, listening for the still, small voice, and then, when we hear it, keep being quiet and listen some more. Likewise, every one of us should practice serving others with wild abandon, loving God with an outward exuberance that borders on madness. And we will fail at doing both at the same time. We will sometimes fail miserably. But this is part of the struggle of the faithful life. Neither recognition without committed action— nor action without thoughtful preparation constitute a complete life of faith. Very few of us will achieve perfect balance in this pursuit. Most of us are wired to be adept at one or the other, to be like Peter or to be like John. And the church, as the body of Christ, needs all of us to show up, to be present for whatever comes before us. And as individuals, we need to explore what a complete, balanced life of faith just might look like in us. We must recognize the risen Christ in the world around us and quietly hold deep within our hearts the earth-shattering reality of what that presence means. And then we must leap out of our safe, and familiar little boats, and swim with wild abandon toward the kingdom of God. Amen.